first of all, I want to uh, ask, uh, Ola would like to get a feel for the room here. How many of you are married, if you raise your hand? Ooh, okay. How many are single? Okay, go single. How many of you have children? Children. How many of you are retired? How many of you uh, work outside of the home? Okay. And, and then, of course, those that if you, you are working in the home, yes. raise your hand. Yes. I think that covers it. All right. So you have a card that was given to you, and that was given to you for a very important purpose. As the time comes to write down questions, please write down questions. We want to hear what's in your heart after Ola speaks, and then we'll address some of those questions as a group. And uh, I'm going to just introduce Ola Abadelli. I've known Ola for many, many years. She and her husband have spoken into my life at different times. And uh, Ola has a message that, that I believe that God has put on her heart. So let's give her a very warm welcome. Thank you very much. Good morning. Um, um, Sarah's gonna, Sarah is our storyteller in the room today. So thank you, Sarah. And she's going to come up and tell her story, and then I'm going to tell my story, and then go into kind of round it up or wrap it up with the essence of what we're here for, which is a meaningful life, or trying to. You know? <laughs> so I, before Sarah comes up and talks, I want people to just think about this and use your notebook. I was going to say on a card, but I think the notebook is, is best kind of going along the theme here. You know, meaningful life, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? So, you know, everybody here, that's one of the reasons why I wanted her to take, I wanted to kind of jolt your, you know, not memory, but your brain a little bit about where I'm going by taking that poll of who's what, you know? So meaningful life, what does that mean to you? You know, so think about it as we go through our stories. And how do we transition whatever meaningful life is, you know, with God-given direction? So meaningful life, what does it mean to us? How does it then tie into God's direction for us, or for us as Christians in general? Okay, while still maintaining that identity of like who we are. You understand what I'm trying to say? So that's why who's married, who's single, who's a mom, who's retired, who's working at home, working, you know, outside of the home. Uh, empty nester, you know, that was the one thing we didn't uh, say. So, okay, so if you can just welcome Sarah, she's going to give her, her story. I'm going to share about um, when I came here to the, to the USA, I came from Sudan as a Saini, and, and how the transition from Sudan to America um, helped me to follow more Jesus. <laughs> um, I remember uh, a day when I came to church and Carrie, this first time that to, have, to hear her speaking, and she was speaking about this staircase. I think some of you remember. 
And at that time, I was struggling myself. I was a believer 25 years, I think, at that time. And I, I heard her saying that to follow Christ, and then we need the grace. And each time we go to this staircase, like going from one uh, step to another step, and we, we need the grace to do that. And at that time, I, I was complaining. God, why you brought me here? I was really complaining. Why? Why? Because the transition was big from Sudan to America and the language. Though I knew English, but it was a different English. And so it is, it is like a big jump for me from there to here. And I was uh, struggling with the house. As she, Kelly was speaking about all these things. It is real. It is real. The physical life, it is real. I was struggling, I was sleeping, I used to have a bed sleeping at the, in the ground, no mattresses, just sleeping in the ground. I'm struggling, my husband had no job. It is all together. And all what she was speaking about, the real and the physical life. And it sucks from you, really. And then while she was just Speaking like that, and I was complaining, and standing there, complaining, complaining to the Lord, why, why, asking, why God, why God, and this is what the devil wants to, to steal things from us. So he was trying to do that with my life, and I, I heard him saying, revival will start from here, and inside I said, I don't care, <laughs> really, I said, I don't care, I don't. He was whispering things about the kingdom, and I was looking things for myself. So, and then, as she's finishing, I heard him again say, Sarah, you want to follow even me here in the right state? You want to still follow me? So it was like a shock for me. I'm following you 25 years. I'm following you and say, but this is the time again to stand and see. What do you want to choose? Still you want to follow me or no? So, it is for me a verse from the Bible, Colossians 3, 1. See what is above, where the Messiah is seated. Set your mind on what is above, not what is on the earth. So it is for me like, again, like he's bringing me again to the reality, the, the real one is him and to follow him. And also I went like for to see what is following. And he said the same thing with Peter. Still you want to follow me? And is proceeding behind, go after, pursue, to move in the direction, to act in agreement or compliance with obey, to engage in work, act, to watch or observe closely, to grasp the meaning of logic to take place after another person to grasp the meaning or reasoning of things. And as I'm just going to wrap it up, this story, uh, he wanted to steal the joy from me. And he wanted to kill, to destroy the relationship of Jesus as Lord in my life. And he wanted also to destroy the commitment of following Christ. So for me, that this is what the point he wanted to do in my life at that time. And realizing it is not me that I realized, but the Holy Spirit 
like bringing the sins again to my life, bringing to my heart to be alive again. And this is what he wants. He wants to bind me down under his authority and to take the fear, to take to make to make me bound down in fear and not to rest in him and not to rest that I will find in Jesus the eternal life as Kerry was sharing. And this is what I have been like um, experienced during that time. But praise God that He still speaks. Okay, so um, I'm going to speak a little bit about my life, um, which appears to have been long, but I know that it's short. It's been short, but um, I don't know. Parts of my body are not agreeing. <laughs> All right, so people are probably wondering what's on the table there. I have some props there, kind of representative of my life. Um, on the first there is about a third of the degrees and certificates that I have, things that I've spent my life doing. I'm just saying, just what is the meaning is what we're going to kind of get to. With just, I'm 50 years old. I was 50. I turned 50 last November. So I spent the first 30 years of my life, or 32 years of my life, getting that first pie. The middle is another prop that I'll get to which represents another part of my life. Then there's a, and I'll pick them up one at a time. There's another pile of papers here, which kind of represents where I am now, another part of my life. And the last pile is probably the one that matters. And I will talk about how that pile came in and how late in the game that that pile really took its rightful place um, in this walk of mine. Okay, so as a child, the first thing I was coming out right out of the womb was a child, right? Yeah. I was somebody's child, so that's who I was. Whatever life was is what those people had in mind for me. One of the things they had in mind for me was that I was going to be a physician. I was going to be something. Okay, so let me, let me, let me rephrase that. In Africa, it was an engineer, a lawyer, a doctor. Okay, it's, and it's maybe something else, you know. But those, most of you recognize what I'm saying. So I was going to be something, right? I came from a household where it didn't matter that I was a girl. I was going to be something. I said engineer because my father was an engineer. So, or is an engineer. <laughs> He's still alive. Um, so that was part of it. It became more that it was going to be a physician because I had a couple of, I had an uncle and an aunt who were physicians who were in my life and I just kind of took an interest to what they were doing and so I kind of latched onto them. So it became more apparent. Physician was it and that was it. So everything that happened in my life was towards that first pile. So Things were going, everything. I started college, I turned 16 in college. Things were going really great. Um, we were in Africa, and medicine was a first degree, so I was in medicine, I was in medical school. It was gonna take me six years, so I'd be 21 graduating as a physician. Until I hit the first roadblock, okay? I was asked to withdraw academically. So I flunked out, basically. 
Um, so that was the first, you know, what are we going to do? It was a crisis in my family because let's even forget the whole shame that went with that, you know? And, um, but more so, you're supposed to be a doctor. I'm in a country where it's quote unquote free education. You get one shot. I got my shot. I flunked it. So what was the next thing? Pack your bags. I happen to be an American citizen by birth. So pack your bags. See ya. So I was put on a plane. And because I have to be a physician. Okay, so put in the plane, came here, and started again from scratch from community college at the age of 21. Okay, still trying to achieve that first pile. Went through all of that. In 1992, I got my first degree. And in between that, you know, again, there's some certain things that are supposed to happen. I'm a woman. I'm an African woman. I'm supposed to get married. Right? That's another thing that's happening. So, um, in between medical school and, I mean, college and medical school, that summer, I went back home. I got married. So, coming up with being married, this is just identities that I've had in my life. Now, I'm somebody's wife. Now, remember, it's in addition to being somebody's child. Because in Africa, you're never, never ever somebody's yourself. Thank you. Thank you. You're never ever yourself until they die. Okay, so all of these are being piled on. So every time I say it, I'm going to say, so I'm child, right? Now I'm wife, okay? So there's something else that comes with being a wife. As an thank you. You're supposed to become a mother. Okay, so went into medical school doing that, took uh, a year off, but you can't just take a year off and do nothing. So I got my master's in public health as well, but also gave birth to my first child. Okay, IBK for those of you who know IBK. So now, what am I? I am a child, I am a wife, I am and also a student, by the way. Okay. <laughs> So that kind of went on, right? And then, when I went back into school, um, finished up medical school, had to go to residency. Between medical school and residency, I got my first, well, not my first, my, the next curveball. This is the way I look at it, okay? So the first curveball was really from my parents. So this one was really my first curveball. So the curveball of, flunking out of school, I really consider it a curveball in my parents' plan, right? So the first curveball in my plan is I had an unplanned pregnancy. I'm married, but it was still unplanned. And it was unplanned and very inconvenient because I was about to start residency. So if there's anybody in this room who's gone through that knows that one thing you don't do as a first-year resident is do what? Show up pregnant. Exactly. So, so, so now I had something that could potentially be joy in my life. I was very angry. I was very upset. And even though we had, quote-unquote, planned to have two kids, this was not the time. So just as I got 
okay with the fact that I was pregnant and had called the residency, did all of that, they changed my schedule. Guess what happened? I had a miscarriage. Okay, so then comes the guilt. Because after all, I had said, I don't want this baby. Right? So, did I kill the baby? You, you, you understand? This, this is just the, the devil coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, so I get into residency in the meantime, but because I was supposed to come in pregnant, they had scheduled my schedule top-heavy so that I, when, I, when it was later in the year and I'm supposed to be having the baby and be out, they wouldn't be one resident down, if you get what I'm trying to say. So all the places where I had to be in the hospital, you know, all of that stuff, call, all that stuff, I had done it so that when I go out to have the baby and other people have to step in, I've already done their, you know, I've done my part. So at that point in time, now I don't have a baby to take care of, but I have, finally have time to think about it. By the way, when I had this miscarriage, my parents came in, everybody came in, they were crying. I was quoting statistics, you know, 50% of um, you know, pregnancies that are lost in the first trimester is due to what? Okay, and um, genetic problems, you know, and things like that. And after all, I had prayed the night before I lost the baby. That God, you know, I don't want to be, you know, forgive me if it seems as if I'm being whatever, but I want to be real with you. If this child is going to have problems, I don't want it. I'm just trying to tell you the, the things that we do when it's down to it. If this child is going to have problems, I don't want it. I, you know, I know that you can take care of everything and this can be a healthy child. Then I want it. If not, I'm okay. And I ended up losing the baby. So I'm just trying to tell you, you know, building up to something here. So, here we are, Christmas or December of 1997, and I'm working in the ER, and I pick up, my husband and I have the worst fight, it seems, but now, it seemed to me at that point, 25 years later, I remember, it was normal. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're just trying to get through it and everything. We didn't go for counseling, we didn't go for anything, we went to a lawyer. We wanted to get a divorce. Wow. And we were at the lawyers, and the, the lawyer kept talking about, what are your plans for IDK? How are you going to share? How are you going to do? You know, we kind of then said to ourselves, if everything, if we're still going to have to be doing things together, yeah. maybe we should go to <laughs> and, and, and I'm saying that because this is the, this is the, this is the life we live in. Okay, this is the, everything's disposable, right? We never think about, can we repair this, right? So this was the first thing that we were going to do is we went to the lawyers, is the first place we went. So then we worked on it and, you know, you guys know the rest of the story. Um, but in all of that, I finally, you know, this is where the devil then, in terms of steal, kill, and destroy, the kill is real. It's not just steal and destroy. The kill part is real. I had this brilliant idea that I was upset with a few people in my life. My father for, you know, all this 
you know, heavy-handed, you know what I'm trying to say and all that, and he and my husband were not getting on. My husband, I could kill one bird with two stones by killing myself. So I could just commit suicide, and my father would have to bury a child. That, that takes care of him. So it's him, right, right? That's the worst thing that you can do to a parent. And then I felt that my husband would have to raise my son alone. Because, because, uh, that was very warped, wasn't it? Because you can always get married and do that. But anyway, that takes care of him. Well, to fast forward it, I picked up the phone, I called him. Uh, he called the cops, you know. Anyway, uh, God really intervened from the standpoint of my boss got to know by virtue of the cops coming and made me go to therapy and all that. And thank God I'm still here. Yeah. Now, but again, picked up put all the pieces together, still trying to get that first pile, right? We had to do it. So move on to residency, did all of that, graduated from residency, got to Nebraska for my first job. Four years into the job, I was fired. That's my second curveball. Okay, that whole first pile, what's gonna happen? Dusted up and felt I can continue with that pile because never at any point in this did I stop to think or ask God or I'm just trying to tell you how we kind of just get onto this wheel and we're just getting things. Then the second pile comes in because since I had the right credentials, I could open up my own. So this is the second pile. So I did that. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I felt like this is what I was made to do. To, this is what I was made for. Lovely. I enjoyed it. Then, that really wasn't working out. And I had to, in 2013, close that practice and take on a desk job. So, medical policy, those kind of things, doing that. Trying to continue with that. Then I hit another major roadblock, curveball. Last year, I don't know how many people know this, but um, about eight years ago, my husband and I adopted a child. We adopted a daughter. Okay, um, January, um, we hit another roadblock where due to issues that she had had and everything, she's not been in the house for a year now. So 2017 marks the time when I really went into the pen to try and find out what's really going on and what really is the meaning and how to do this. So it all happened with the real conference in 2017. I have my notebook here. Those stress circles, or what did she, um, coping circle. you can imagine what was occupying mine. But the big thing for me is, this, this is mine from last time, last year. When she tells you to circle the, wor the, the words, circle them. Circle them. Because this here is the devotional Bible. I decided I was going to stop searching. Okay, after the meeting, when she said, get real, 
right? Get real. Come. It says, come, get away. And one of the things that I decided was, okay, I'm going to stop reading other books. I'm going to stop trying to figure out how to do something. I am going to come. Okay, this is Matthew 11, 28 to 30 message. It says, are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Come was one of the words that she said to circle. Come to me. Get away with me. Get away was another circled word. And you'll recover your life. So going into meaningful, what is my life? Can anybody tell me from what I had experienced? What, what part of that was my life? You know, what was it supposed to be? So one of the things that we have to do is we have to, like what she, like what she was saying today, this time, we have to go through the shepherd into the pen, right? To be able to figure out what is it. It has to be filtered through the shepherd. Okay? The, per the verse we're using this time says that he's the shepherd of the sheep. We're all sheep. But in order to decide to go through the gate, it's a choice, right? So have we made the choice that Jesus is Lord? Have we made the choice that he is the shepherd? Because we have, we, it's not, the choice we're making is not whether we want to be sheep. It's whether we want to be his sheep. Right? So that's the thing. We're sheep anyway. It's whether we want to be his sheep. So I, um... I have a question. I think I just asked that. Like, do you, have you found the gate? If you found the gate, have you gone through? You know. And according to the verse that we're going through now, anyone who does go through is going to be cared for. Right. So we don't even have to worry about that. All we have to do is recognize the gate and go through the gate. We don't then have to worry about what happens to us in there. The problem is, like she said yesterday, we're going to go in and out. So we can't not be out there, right? So what do we do when we're out there? So remembering, it's like a thief is only here to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? And he said he came that we might have eternal life. So I would like you to think of that. He said more better than you've ever dreamed of. Okay, so writing down is even a... You know, I mean, it says more better than you've ever dreamed of. So even what you write down, expect more, you know, it's going to surpass that. Because it's already telling us we can't dream of it. You know, other things that happened in 2013, so 2017, sorry. This Bible is the Thrive Bible. It's just a journal, you know, it's devotional and it's a journal. And these are all crayons and color crayons, and, and I tried to practice what Carrie had talked about, where every t regardless of what I was reading, I tried to look for the come. I tried to look for the getaway. I tried to look for watch, learn. I tried to see like which of those words was that passage, which of those words could I tie those, that passage to, so that ultimately it was about 
learning to live freely and lightly. And it's not that problems have gone, because it's been an intense 2017, but it's been um, life-changing and reassuring, you know, knowing who is in charge, who's really in charge. So what I, what I do, um, the, the last thing that has happened, it's funny, just when I felt I was okay, and I finally got this, um, I changed jobs, and now I work from home. So we have a situation where, again, who am I? What did I think? Who, what was my identity? Part of that included working, going, getting up in the morning and going out of the house. And now, I don't go anywhere. I'm at home, and I had to battle that in my mind, that am I still who I am? And then, the last thing that also happened to me last year is, I have no kids in the house. The thing missing there is, uh, I finally got myself in February to throw away my mom calendar. <laughs> so that was another prop in terms of who I am. It was all about coordinating dental visits and, and uh, doctor's visits and PTO, no, it's not PTO, PTA. PTA. <laughs> PTA and all of that kind of stuff. And my two boys are off to college and my daughter is not home. So I really was struggling a lot with that. So, and I had actually asked myself, so who am I? Oh, I'm now only a wife. You know, and thinking that I had that down pat, you have to also learn about that. But one of the things I've had to work with this year is, no, Ola, you are actually Ola. You know, you're Ola. And so start to try and find other things. It's a process, and I thank God for this, this um, 2018 real card because, you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing is trying to help me to look at that. I plan to, and I'm excited and looking forward to that in terms of being able to have a more and better life than I ever dreamed of. So, I don't know, how much more time do you have? Uh, uh, half hour? Yeah, half hour. Um, I, I, I want to stop at this point. And um, I don't know if anybody wrote down. You want to check and see if anybody yep. has any questions? Or if you have any questions, hold them up and I'll grab them for you. While she's doing that, I guess I want I want to I want to ask a question like how how do we transition to 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 it being a a God given direction? How do we transition to not just being a, like a gerbil on a wheel? You know what I mean? Like just hop on that wheel and just kind of keep going, keep going. How do we do that? How do we how do we transition to that? I think one of the things that we've learned and are continuing to learn right now is. We can get caught up in thinking that it's something we're going to do or something like let's go find the best this and the best that and I'm going to get the best book on this or the best book on that. But what we're learning is about how to get away and spend time and rest, right, in God's presence and then get direction from there and then go about doing that. <coughs> 
And I think as, as most women in the room, one of the things I want to really kind of get people thinking about is how do we get away? How do we, and, and you know, I don't want to just say, oh, spend time on our own or something like that. But how do we, how can we do it to where we are conscious of the fact that, okay, life is happening around us. We're wearing all these different hats, but we kind of pause. Still kind of, we still have to get some things done, right? We still have to get those things done. But how do we pause and make room for making sure that we are doing what our purpose, what God actually placed us on earth here to do, in order for it to have meaning, for it to be meaningful, right? It can be productive, but is it meaningful? So I think we have a what does finding the gate look like? To me, um, I use that um, analogy or illustration because that's what uh, Kerry is using um, this this um, conference. But it's basically accepting, you know, recognizing and accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior in our life. So it's, you know, believing in our heart, saying it with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Basically, in church lingo, becoming born again. So recognizing or making the decision to be his sheep. To be his sheep. I think that that's the first step in that. Yes. And for the believer, this is not for those who are going to take their decision to follow Christ, but for those who are already believed and already, as I mentioned, 25 years with the Lord, still we have to stand and choose to follow Christ and to believe what he has said in the Bible, he's going to do it. It's not just like um, to decide for ourselves, but to go back to him. Yeah, to him, who, who is the shepherd, the good shepherd. And he will, he will then direct us what to do. I think also realizing that our life is much bigger than just ourselves. Yes. Yes. We're here for his purpose. And sometimes we can get really bogged down. And life is hard. Life is not easy. And I mean, Ola's given an amazing testimony. We all have a testimony. We all have a story. Life is difficult, but we have to remember it's not about us. It's about Jesus being glorified through us. And when we recognize that and begin to live that out, there's freedom. Yes. There's such freedom and there's truth in our life now. We have a purpose. It's not just about me getting better. Yes, we get better as we go along, but it's Jesus being glorified through us. Amen. 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 Uh, which one should we do? <clears throat> How could I not be being true to myself? What's a way that I might not be truthful with myself? Hmm. That's a hard one. <laughs> because I think ultimately... You're the only one who knows that you're not being true to yourself. 
and the fact that you're asking a question already kind of clues you into the fact that that's what's going on. I'll, I'll tell you a little thing. When, with the, I told you I was a child, right? I'm a child, so let's go back to my child hat role. I mean, I started to play that game. I actually got to a point where I felt like I was, I had a split personality. You know, I, whenever my parents were around, or, you know, I was a family or whatever, I behaved the way that I was expected to behave, you know, or it had come to be expected of me. You understand what I'm saying? And when I was not with them, I was somebody else. And one of the things I had to work through is merging those two. Okay, I tell you, even, I can't remember who I was talking to, but just the other day, I was telling the person that even sometimes that type tries to pop its head out to where maybe Femi asked me a question and I immediately want to give him a different answer, you know, and I actually have to talk to myself like, you can tell him the truth, he's your husband. He's, and I say to myself, he's not your dad. You know, as if, okay, it's, if it was your dad, I'm all good with that, you know, you can tell him the lie. You know, so just trying to kind of put those things together is that, you know, going in terms of what she spoke about today, where we feel like we have to present a certain picture, you know, or a certain, some, we have to portray or be something of what is expected. So I believe that with that question, the only way that you can be true to, you can know that you're not true to yourself is that you know the truth. You know, that's the one person for sure, but other than God, yeah. that knows the truth. And so, yeah. So. Yes, please. Being true to yourself is also, I mean, your identity, your identity is Jesus. Okay, that's your first identity. That's being true to yourself. I'm a child of God. That, that's the first one, and everything grows out of that. Okay, here's another question. You guys have a good question. Okay, are you ready, Ola? All right. <laughs> are seasons in my life different from my purpose? <laughs> I want to say yes from the standpoint of seasons is kind of like the time, you know, it's, it's kind of like I said, when you were a child, you were a child, when you're married, you're a wife, if your husband dies, you're a widow, you know what I'm trying to say, you know, you have kids, you're a mom, you know, so those would be seasons, those would be what I consider seasons when I say seasons of life. Now in those seasons, we tend to take on these hats and just become those things, which some of it is essential because, I mean, if you have kids, if you have babies, you've just got to just go and, yeah, I was talking with somebody yesterday and I said, I think she was carrying a six-month-old or a nine-month-old, and I said, isn't that a fun age? I think it's a six-month-old. Like, they finally recognize that you're the milk. <laughs> they finally recognize that you're the source of, like, you're the cow, you're the source of milk, that's the lady who brings me the milk, you know, or that's the lady who's going to change my diaper, you know, I mean, there's something, you can, you can finally get some recognition there, but prior to that, even without that, you, you kind of had to do it. Right? You had to do it. The baby cries, you go do it. Hungry, you feed. Whether the baby recognizes or doesn't recognize, you know. 
or anything. You just have to do that. And that's what I call seasons. But in doing those things, we can ultimately take that on. That's what actually happens, is we become those things, so that when those things then go away, who are we? Right? Who are we? And that's why I said, we're ultimately, what I, the take home from this is, we're going to get there. Everybody's going to get to a point where it's like, who am I? I don't want people to feel like it's because they're not spiritual is why they found themselves in that place. It's what do you do with that question? And that's what I meant by going to the gate, go in the pen, go find out. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's the recognition. The, no, the knowledge of this kind of saves us heartache, if you would, is what I'm trying to say. So the issue is not that you ask yourself a question or you get to the point where you don't know who you are or you're, or you're trying to find your identity. That's not it. It's how do you, how do you resolve that is what I'm trying to say that one of the things that we can, we can cut down on our time, <laughs> you know, out in the wilderness, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If we recognize and remember that we're the, you know, we're his sheep and go looking for that pen, you know, looking for that gate to go back to that. Almost like the prodigal son. Look at what happened with the prodigal son. Look at how long it took him to realize, okay, you know what, I guess I could go back home. You understand what I'm saying? If, if he recognized that as soon as the money was finished and he's like, oh, I finished with the money and everything, that was foolish of me, I guess I could go back home. Would he have had to work in the sty? Would he have had to eat gruel or whatever it is that pigs ate? He wouldn't have had to. You understand what I'm saying? Would that have made the father less likely to accept him when he got home? No. I remember when I had the season to come here to the United States, sometimes we don't accept the season that we are in. When I realized that and I accepted, things changed to me. So sometimes we, we don't accept the season we are going through. As Pam said, our identity is in Christ, and our purpose is in Christ. And why we are doing all this thing in life, if we didn't accept that, what God has given us, and then go back to him, to take from him, and then to go and continue doing what he wants us to do. As a mother, as a wife, as whatever, single, if I'm studying, if all that things. We accept that things from him. If we accept it and we know that he wants us to do that, in him we can do all these things. And then all those purposes, all those different seasons equal the purpose. They, God uses all those seasons in our life some way, somehow, for his glory. And if we're really, really listening, the Lord can use every season, whether it's a smooth one or not, yeah. to be able to minister to others and bring yes. them hope. Yes. And be able to minister to your own family and bring them hope yes. if we determine that our purpose is ultimately Him. Yeah. Okay, here's another one. <laughs> You've lived life under so much pressure with career and raising kids and growing a marriage and following Christ. How did, do you do it all and keep Christ first, practically? Or did I? <laughs> right? I'm hoping the question was written before I spoke and not at the end. Because I'm hoping what I said clearly was that 
It wasn't until 2017. Okay? In terms of being able to re, you know, to really do that. So, or did I? One of the things with the, the certificates that are over there too is this morning my husband was going to put them in the car for me and he saw they were dusty. And he picked up a rag and he wants to dust it. I said, no, that's part of the prop. <laughs> They've been in the corner. Wow. Okay, they were supposed to be on walls so that people can, you know, I, I know my identity. As in, again, I'm a physician. I know I'm an MD, but I was supposed to be able to show everybody else. <laughs> right? I was supposed to be able to have the walls full of them. I stopped framing them after a while. I'm supposed to have the wall full so that other people can see and know. You see what Carrie said earlier on? So they are all dusty now. No cobwebs yet, but <laughs> So what I'm trying to say is that yes, there was a lot of pressure. Yes, there was all this stuff. I didn't manage everything. We can't juggle everything. Okay? There's the pasture out there. What I learned last year is that I have to get back in the pen. It has to be an in and out. You know, there has to be that. So I can say since then, but even the other thing is, I, I'm not also here to tell you, since 2017, everything's been great. <laughs> you know, since I figured to go in the pen, he just took it all over and God is good. He is good, but there's still issues. It's just my reaction. Yeah. It's my reaction that has changed. Here's one here. This one here, then um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and answer. I think you already have done it. It says, what advice would you give a student who wants to balance school life and spiritual life? I struggle with feeling guilty if I have a quiet time when I have a lot of homework to do. And, and uh, from my heart, having been also a, a student, um, you have to keep Jesus first. You have to make that time to build that relationship and to have that that flow with him. Otherwise, everything else is going to be a lot harder. So even when it's hard, even as moms trying to find time to just slow down enough to have that time with Jesus, we have to make that the, the first, first commitment, and then we can make it through the other. I just want to add to that, that if we switch it and look at it as you're actually going to get fuel. You're going to get, you know, to get, you know, you're going to get the help you need in order to do the other things. Yeah, there you go. Right? Because does Jesus benefit from us going to have a quiet time with him? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I'm just saying, if we don't come, it, it hurts him that my child is not, you know, coming to fellowship with me. But what I'm trying to say is ultimately... It's for us. It's for us to be able to get that. And, and there was another thing. I was going to say, don't get caught up and guilty that you're, quote unquote, not doing. As soon as you realize that you're not, do it. And I'll tell you, one of the ways that I started to say to that to myself is, okay, devotionals, they're the most guilt-ridden things ever. Especially, like, daily Bible read or, you know, something that has a month and a day on it. Am I lying? I mean, 
what I used to do before is I'm like, man, it's been five days since I did my daily reading. Now I have to read all five days. And I finally said to myself, no, I read the day that I'm, you know. I finally was like, enough is enough. I'm not sitting down and reading 10 days worth and then take it off and feel like, yeah, now I'm good. No, you didn't do those other nine days. That's part, that's part of being true to yourself, right? I didn't do those nine days. Yeah, there's a skip. There's a gap if the journal is days or whatever. And try it, you know, pick up where you are. That's part of being the truthful part. So whenever you recognize that, oops, make it just that, oops, and then go do it. How did you discover the God-given direction for your life? <laughs> you know, I do believe that the profession that I chose is God's given direction in my life. I do believe that. That the profession that I found myself in is a God thing. And the way that I felt that was, I, it seems like I'm talking about myself, but what I'm trying to say is I realize in myself when I go to work that I truly care. You know what I'm trying to say? Like I know, when I, no matter how much I feel in the morning when I get up, when I get to work, I'm good. It's the getting there, you know? <laughs> that is a thing. So that was that for me. For me, that's how I know. That it's not that I wasn't in God's direction. But again, it's about are you using that for God's purpose? Now, the difference that I found is when I now opened up my own practice and didn't have rules, regulations, and everything, it basically, my husband and I joked, for the nine years that we had the practice, I didn't get paid, I didn't get a paycheck. Um, it, just, it just paid the bills for the people that were working there and the bills light, kept the light on and everything. And my husband and I always joked that this was the most expensive mission field. But, but I had fun doing it. You know, so we are created for a purpose, we have giftings in us, and that's what I was trying to say. But I think ultimately, the question we always have to be asking ourselves, if it's taken away from me being able to, you know, worship God and profess who Christ is, I think it then is a problem. I don't know if I've, if I've answered that or if Pam, you want to... Okay, how do I make sure that what I am chasing in life in terms of a career aligns with God's plan for me? <laughs> how do I make sure that what I'm chasing in life in terms of a career aligns with God's plan for me? Well, if you know Jesus, as a young person before you're before you're leaving and making those decisions of course you're you're believing that that what you end up in is what God has put in your heart and that's going to to drive you and the decisions that you make because you're trusting him and of course we can make mistakes along the way our flesh gets in the way um, but then as we keep going it's you can get so lost in these questions <laughs> I was going to say, as she, I don't think I needed a microphone, but I was going to say, as she was saying that too, is that we should be careful because when we hit a roadblock or something appears hard, we can then say, maybe this is not what I'm supposed to do. That's also a steel kill destroy So that's all I wanted to kind of put with that. So, you know, God's not always going to show up and be like, 
this is what I'm saying, this is what you should do. Obviously, God is not going to contradict his own word. So, God can't have put it in your heart that you're going to be a go-go dancer. You know, like there's some certain... <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I don't know why I picked that. <laughs> Just in case there's a go-go Very distinct personalities that God alone has given you. Yes. He's put certain strengths in you, certain gifts, and certain talents, and those are going to manifest and show themselves. And so those are the things that, that He can work through you. But like she said, if it's not going to bring glory to God, then maybe you need to be thinking, is this really what I want to be doing? A lot of our time and our life goes into our work and our career. And so we want it to be something that, number one, that the Lord gives us that we enjoy, and number two, that we can use it for Him. And I, and I, didn't want, I want to say one thing, you know, in honor of my parents. For those of you who still have young, impressionable kids in your life, I am not here saying don't have a dream for them. That's your job. Right? But as parents, look at your kids. You're in a unique position to be able to have known that kid since the kid was in the womb. Or if you adopted them from whenever you came into their life. And you know their character. You know their bend. You know, the Bible says, train up a child in his own bend. Right? Okay? So, Femi and I have two boys. We've been going up with him with our first boy. He's hit roadblocks and decided, I don't want to do this. And Femi and I look at him, we sit him down, and we say, son, this is a hard time. We'll get through this. But we've known you. We're your parents. We've known you ever since yay. You know what I'm saying? That's what you've been trying to do. And he's worked through it. He's now in his grad school, and he's loving it. You know, getting job offers. You know what I'm trying to say? So that's your job. That's our job as parents. So, you know... <clears throat> We're actually slacking in our job if we don't. So you kind of want to, so like, you know, your kid, my mom wanted to be a nurse. And her father said, you cut your finger, you faint with your own blood. You know? No, you're not. Go be a teacher. <laughs> so, you know, you're so good with kids. And she enjoyed it and she flourished. So what I'm trying to say is that, you know, I don't want to pass on the message like, you know, that kind of a thing, but I think it's actually our job as parents, have dreams for them, have stuff, but the best thing we can do is do it through the eyes of Christ. Yeah. How does Christ see them? And then train up that child in their bend so that when they grow old, right? And nothing, no knowledge is ever wasted. Whatever you find yourself in, if you have to make a left turn, a right turn, a U-turn, you know, you nothing that you picked up along the way is gonna go to waste. How do you now rectify the medical career part of your life? In other words, is it necessary for that part to make sense in the big picture? It kind of, being a, med a medical doctor has brought me a lot of props. Um, and the job I'm doing currently is as a result of that. But I even feel that even now, I've been able to like pick and choose. So the fun parts in what I did is really what I'm doing now. So I'm doing more policy and regulation and stuff like that. Um, it does hurt to not uh, see patients and stuff, but I've really felt that, I think a big thing I had to battle in my head was that was a waste. Like I told you, 32 years to get that first pile, right? So that was 2000. By 2004, fired from the first job. By 2013, so 
I actually practiced for 13 years. But I spent 32 years getting it. So I couldn't reconcile, and that's the question a lot of people ask me. Even my parents had a problem, you know? My parents had a problem. Like, how, how do I tell people that you're not practicing? You understand what I'm saying? Well, I'm still a doctor. But um, I'm just trying to say that I'm still using that, in, that stuff, and even if I were not in that, I'm just now working to where it, it wasn't wasteful. I'm able to go on mission trips, I'm able to, you know, do different things and still use that stuff. So again, because the identity is now in Christ yes. and not in whatever was on the wall. Yes. Yeah. 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 I add to this one and the one before that, uh, Daniel and Joseph, if they knew all the story, what they're going to pass through, and the end was, he said, God sent me before you so I can keep all of you as the, the Jewish nation. And also Daniel, the same thing. If he was known that he was going to be taken as a captive to Babylon, and then he will minister to each of those kings, and one of them knew Christ, actually, uh, knew God as the God of Israel. Uh, so if Daniel also... God told him before, you're going to go past this and this and this, you're going to be taken as captive and you're going to eat that and you're going to do that. Many times, if we knew <laughs> the journey, <laughs> maybe we say, no, 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 God, I want I don't want to Joseph was thrown in the jail and he was thrown in the pit and he was going also that being accused and his reputation was bad. And and he go also so that he will be the second man in Egypt. So many times in our life and our story, it is like that. We go through bad things, but God then bring that what he wants us to do. So many times we don't know, but the purpose is that to know God in each one of them. In each one of them, to know God and to do his will. And this is what we are going to know the final thing. You can take that Daniel story, you can take the Jonah story, you can take so many different stories, and there's something that we all can learn as individuals, but bottom line, bottom line is, is that it's for God's fame and for his glory. Yeah. That's the bottom line.